Hello and welcome to another episode of To Be Perfectly Honest. As always, I'm Corey. And I'm Manel. And today we're talking about Game of Thrones Season 1, Episode 5, The Wolf and the Lion. So Manel, this one is jam-packed, so I think we should just jump in, let's do the summary really quick, and then we can get into the nitty-gritty of all of it. So Ned visits Sir Hugh's body, and he's talking to Sir Barristan. They reflect on meeting on the field of battle as enemies in the past, and they want to figure out how Sir uh, Hugh could actually have ever afforded such a nice suit of armor, especially since he was just recently promoted. Um, King Robert gives the young Lannister that's serving him a hard time. He's asking for a uh, breastplate stretcher, um, and he basically has a talk with Ned. Ned uh, fortunately talks the king out of going and doing a drunk jousting, especially since he can't even put his armor on. Um, the Knight of Flowers in the Mountain have a joust. Uh, the Knight of Flowers wins, but the Mountain is pissed off as he thinks he's cheated. He chops off the horse head um, of his steed, and then he goes and attacks the Knight of Flowers. The Hound, who is the Mountain's brother, steps in and saves him. There's a bet that's placed on this fight, and then we actually find out that Sir Lancel and Renly Baratheon are in a gay relationship. We have Catelyn and Tyrion on the road to see her sister, uh, going to the twins, and this area is really rough. There's shadow tribes that pose a threat. Tyrion proclaims his innocence, and then he is attacked along with the rest of the party, and he holds his own and makes his first kill by protecting Catelyn from a raider by shoving his shield into his face until he dies. We have Bran learning about the houses of Westeros and their sigils. We hear about more of the Greyjoy rebellion that happened. We see uh, Theon's sausage, and we have a little bit of a talk about how he feels as a ward of the Starks. Varys comes to Ned and tells him that uh, the king is doomed. We find out that Ned has been in the capital for about a month and that there are spies everywhere. And we find out that the poison that was used on Jon Arryn were the tears of Elise. And we think he was killed for asking too many questions. Arya's still chasing cats, and that takes her into the bottom of the dungeons. She is down there, and she finds a huge dragon skull, and there are a couple of men, and they are talking about the things that are going on. We find out that this is Illyrio and Varys. We have an exchange with Peter and the spider later after that, where they're trying to one-up each other on how much the other knows about the other one. And then we have Arya getting mistaken for a boy as she makes it out of the dungeons. She goes and talks to her dad and lets him know everything that was going on but she doesn't really remember the whole conversation, so that is unfortunate. Just then, Yorin comes in. He is one of the men of the Night's Watch who is coming down to collect people for the, the troops that are up there, taking people out of the dungeons and people who have broken the law. And he lets him know that he rode especially fast this time because he's trying to give news that Catelyn has taken Tyrion hostage and everyone's about to know. We see the Knights of the Vale have met Caitlyn's party and they escort them to the Eyrie. We find out that Daenerys is pregnant and so does everybody else. We also learn that Jorah is a spy and the council is all on the same page except for Ned. They all want to go ahead and kill her. Ned, being an honorable man, decides that he doesn't want to do that. And if Robert doesn't want to listen to him, he takes off his uh, hand of the king pin, officially resigns. It's kind of like a sheriff's badge and he goes away. We find out that Robert doesn't take too kindly to people not doing what he wants, and he starts to call Ned a traitor, and Ned goes on his way to get his daughters ready to leave the capital and go back to Winterfell. Baelish comes in and he dangles a little treat in front of Ned by letting him know that he knows the last person John Aaron talked to the night he died and offers to let him know who it was and take him to them if he stays there's a little bit longer. We are in the Vale, and we find out that Liza, this is Catelyn's sister, is definitely crazy as hell, and sure, son is definitely a mommy's boy as he's like about 10 and still breastfeeding. Um, Tyrion says that Jamie will come and save him, but 
he definitely gets thrown into a sky dungeon that looks scarier than anything I've ever imagined. Um, Lord Tyrell and Renly shave each other. Um, Renly isn't really a fan of his brother, and we hear how um, Loris is willing to back Renly as a new king, as his family is about as rich as the Lannisters. Um, we also find out that Robert loves Muffy more than killing and drinking, and that he's not a very good king, and Loris suggests that Renly should be the king. He then gives him a killer blowjob. Uh, Robert and Cersei have a really cold heart-to-heart -heart about Ned, the Dothraki, and kind of their love life. Ned says that only a fool would meet a Dothraki in an open field, and then he talks about the separation of the people of Westeros, that one army could take over them because they're separate um, armies, and that if they're going to change that, there needs to be one central army. Then we have a conversation about their love life. We have uh, a question from Cersei if uh, Robert ever really loved her or was he still just trying to get over uh, Ned's sister. He basically says no, he's never really felt anything for her and they never really had a chance. Um, Cersei kind of has a little bit of a gasp but then she kind of admits that she feels nothing. Um, we find that John Aaron saw Hor, who bore a bastard to King Robert, and we also find out that there's many, many more, as that's King Robert's favorite pastime. And we're not sure why they are looking for them still, but um, we have a feeling that this is the key to why he was murdered. Jamie meets Ned outside of the brothel where he was investigating the whore and the bastard. And when um, he is met with the Lannister men, they have a duel. All of the Ned Stark's men are killed, and Ned is going one-on-one -on -one with Jamie, and they actually look like they're both holding their own, but in the middle of the fight, one of the Lannister men shoves a spear through Ned's leg. Jamie gets pissed off at this because he was actually having fun, and he was trying to figure out who was one of the better people to duel. And then we have the conclusion where Ned passes out due to the blood loss. So overall, we have a whole lot happening in this episode, so Anel, let's discuss. Okay, so right off the bat, this episode is just chocked full of stuff to talk about. Um, you know, we have the opening scene, and we have it with the mountain and um, Sir Loras. Um, and that fight is literally insane. We have someone chopping a horse head off. I, I mean, mean, isn't that happening in all your fights? It is literally insane. Um, How sharp does a sword have to be to cut a horse's head that's off? That's what I mean. It's like, it would literally be, like, he would slice through any of... Loris's armor like butter it's it's just makes no sense but I do love it um you know I don't know if we talked about it last time but um the relationship between the hound and the mountain is very interesting they're both brothers they're both Cleganes um and now do you want to talk about why the hound has those scars well he has those scars because his brother is a mother ever <laughs> seriously um I think the story goes that the hound was playing with um, one of his brother's toys, and his brother didn't like that, so he mashed his face into the fire. Yeah, um, and this is very uh, totally in character because we see exactly what happens here later. There's an important bet that's made here, and it's between Peter Baelish and Renly uh, Baratheon, and they're betting on each other's men. So... Essentially, Renly, who we discover in this one, has a love interest with um, the Tyrell boy, uh, the Knight of Flowers. And then we have uh, Peter Baelish, who puts all his money on the mountain, which I think would be a safe bet for literally anybody. Um, but we find out that there's a little bit of misdirect going on because um, the Tyrell boy, he actually has a Marin heat and it throws off the entire thing. So technically, for the jousting portion of it, the mountain does lose, but he is a sore loser. 
And when he doesn't like something, he gets angry and attacks someone and cuts off his horse head. You won't like me when I'm angry. Exactly. And so this brings up another interesting point, too, I guess. Um, You know, we have the hound goes in and he defends um, Loris. And the thing that's really interesting to me is that Peter Baelish put a bet out on the mountain, but he knew that uh, Loris was using, like, you know, a mare in heat. So why did he do that? It's a power play. But let me get into this. What makes a good leader, Corey? That's kind of the ongoing theme behind this episode that I picked out. Um, For example, we have Robert, who actually is the king. Um, But you see in this episode, he's completely out of touch. He thinks he's one thing, and the people respect him. But is he respected because he's a great leader? Is he respected because of his political value to the realm? Or is he respected because he's a great warrior? And now that there's no war, is that something that's going to keep his people loyal to him? Um, We see Circe is plotting, and that's her power play. She's trying to be one step ahead of everyone. We have Varys. He's very well connected. He has his little birds. He is aware of these secrets and he's knowledgeable about the realm then we have ned he's like upstanding he has like nobility he has values but we see how far that's getting him when everyone's trying to cheat the system to get ahead and then you have the conversation between lars and rinley um where he tells rinley you know you'd be an excellent king you know the people love you and is that what makes a great leader? Does that is that what's going to build and keep the loyalty? But so what I think it is a little bit about too is people that are in power and what power is like, and people wanting power. Because I think we see through Cersei and we, through Robert that being in power is miserable because you're constantly worried it's going to go away. You have no idea what you're doing. And it basically destroys everything that you used to love, right? When you're number one, you always have to worry about number two and number three and number four and everyone else. Then we have Ned, who is coming into power, and he really has no idea what he's in for. He doesn't want it. He's an ignorant bastard when it comes to that. But then he even steps down by the end of the episode. Exactly, and I I think that's because he's realizing, oh, this is not what I want, and I'm not going to, you know, betray my honor for this. Um, we have a lot, we just have a lot of, of little people that are going into, and the the other thing that's kind of interesting too is we see the people who have the power, but maybe aren't recognized for it. So like Varys, like you were saying, Varys is holding a lot of the cards here. We have that scene where he is with Illyrio and they're walking through and you can tell that they've been working at this for God knows, maybe a generation, you know, um, and putting everything into play and these are the people that are pulling lots of the strings behind. Not only are they controlling, you know, the king on the council, but they're also working with the Targaryens overseas and the Dothraki and God knows who else. So I think that's kind of where I feel it's coming is there is the power, you know, who is in power and what is it like to have power, but it's also, um, you know, who is really in control behind the scenes. Yeah, and you have also people like Viserys, it's like is your initial claim to the throne of more value 
than someone who's actually skilled politically. Mm-hmm. He just comes in, and his father came in, and his claim to the throne was dragons. But what does Viserys have? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And he's an ass. So um, it's just interesting at all, all where all these people stand and what they believe is their claim. And how is this all going to work out? Yeah, definitely. Um, not looking good. <laughs> not looking good at all. Um, another interesting thing that I thought, which was kind of just uh, some character building, too, is we have this person named Tywin, who we haven't met yet, but we know is the father of the Lannisters, who are very powerful in the realm. And before we've even met Tywin, we have the king talking to Cersei, and he says, oh, it's interesting when you talk, your father's voice comes out. And it's like, oh, here's someone who's so powerful that he's able to influence the queen. Yeah, I mean, I think we've already had the setup of where the, the realm is bankrupt and half of it is to the Lannisters. And effectively, Tywin is the head of this household. Um, so, yeah, we know that this this is another person that is pulling these strings, you know, just out of reach that we don't really quite know yet. Um, so... Yeah, definitely. You know, that scene between Cersei and Robert, was that just not the most sad thing in the world? It was an awesome, awesome moment for uh, character building for both of them. Yes. I felt like that was an opportunity that you rarely get to see of two people that always have their guard up, that are always playing the game, being real with each other. I mean, I can't think of another time that I've heard Cersei give a genuine laugh. Yeah. No, totally not. And Robert, um, you know, being honest about his feelings and everything else and not just drinking it away or fucking somebody, like, to cover up his real pain. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine going for 17 years and just being in a dead, lifeless relationship? And then, like they said, that's the only thing holding the realm together is their marriage. Well, that's another, <laughs> that's another point to uh, how delusional he is, is that he... I don't know. I think he probably could have had an opportunity with Cersei at one point. Like, I think she probably... Maybe he could have changed the way this whole thing played out. But here he is getting asked, calling for breastplate stretchers and thinking that he could actually participate in the... Uh, the the, the jousting the, tournament. The tourney. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, these people are just cowards. Like, you're... 70 pounds heavier than when you were in Robert's Rebellion. You're still living your glory days. You're drinking wine. You're drunk all the time. And he was whoring all the time. And I mean, here he is with an opportunity to have a relationship with a real woman. And he's still pining away for his one true love, Liana. Yeah, who died 17 years ago. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, I, you know... As much as you kind of look at King Robert and you go, how could you let this happen? And what an idiot and what a fool. At the same time, when he says something, he does have a lot of good points. And it's interesting that I think that's the only reason for the realm maybe it hasn't fallen apart until this point is the fact that Robert, when he does have a point, it's very valid. And when... Yeah, when he's he, not drunk. But how often is that? Exactly. But the other thing, too, is he has that small council to back him up. That is the only thing that's controlling the realm, in my opinion, because it's not Robert. If you remember at the tourney, when he demands for them to stop the fighting, 
The hound instantly drops to his knees and stops. But the mountain takes him a minute before he stops. So it's like he's losing control. He's losing touch and he's losing his grip. And people are seeing that. He has, you know, how many people were at that tourney to see, oh, look, the king mm, can't. I didn't take it like that. I just think that the, the mountain is literally a fucking crazy, insane person. And who controls the mountain? No one. He's a monster. Yeah, but who does, who is the mountain And he did serve? stop. I mean, well, speaking of a monster, how about Liza? Like, oh, you mean that monster on her tit? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, if I don't... you had a baby that was... Ten? <laughs> I mean... Seriously. What you guys didn't see is Liza is torn in half from the waist down. Seriously, God. Yeah, no, she's legit crazy. Like, there's a moment where uh, I think Tyrion, it looks over at um, Catelyn, and I don't know if it's a moment where he's, like, catching on of, like, oh, hey, maybe... Maybe Jamie and Cersei did have something to do with this. Or if he's like, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> like, and Catelyn's like, oh, shit. Like, he's probably like, how long has it been since you've seen your family? Um, you know that she started doing drugs, right? <laughs> she, she's on the meth. Oh, damn. She's on that good, good uh, veil meth. It's where you feel like you're in a sky chamber. <laughs> <laughs> You are so high. Yeah, you had to be on drugs to think of those, to think of creating those sky, what are they called? Sky, sky? prisons, sky cells, yeah. That was crazy. Like yeah. having just, I mean, how sadistic. Having the floor slant just enough to where you feel like you're constantly like falling oh, forward. Never oh, even sleep. It's making yeah. me like nauseous right now. You know, at this point, what do you feel like I... I honestly feel like Catelyn already knows that Tyrion didn't do this. I think she knew that on the road already. And at what point do you think she's regretting her decision to bring him there? I don't know. Maybe her family suffers from mental illness. We already see a trail of, like, clues supporting that. This is where I get, you know, before I have, like, the feels for Catelyn, I'm like, your mom, oh, my God, you stop this blade, you do what you can to, like, save your family. But then... At this point, I cannot help but think, like, I mean, we see it at the very end of this one. Like, literally, her actions have caused Ned's personal men to be killed, and now Ned has a spear through the leg. I mean, what are you thinking? And, what, like, like at the very least, if you're going to punish him and you're going to kill Tyrion, like, everybody in your family will die. They are in the capital. You know this. Ned is there. Your two daughters are there. What do you think is going to happen? I think it's kind of proves that Catelyn doesn't always think things all the way through. No. She goes on by her gut, you know, by, you know, her gut instinct. She'll make these hair split decisions and they don't always work out. And then it's her trying to like clean it up. And, you know, I noticed that too, like poor Ned, he's like, oh, she did it at, at my order. And that's how she, he ended up with a spear, you know, and that's, I'm sure from a man who values his nobility and his honesty as much as Ned, like having to cover for his wife, he's like, man, this crazy bitch. Yeah, Again. seriously. Speaking of that scene with the spear, do you think if um, it was just a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, duel to the death, do you think that Jamie and Ned would both hold their own and it could be anybody's game? Well, Ned definitely has like... Well, I guess they both have the uh, special swords, but Ned's is considerably bigger. 
Yes. So I don't know, maybe he's slower with it because of that? He, I mean, I think his fighting technique in general is, he is a little slower, but I think he's freaking strong. Where I feel like Jamie has a lot of technique and he practices a lot. You know, I think his entire life has been dedicated to that. But as we talked about before, Jamie has fought in a couple battles, but really not a whole lot. Remember in the Battle of the Bastards, Jamie sat next to the king. And at the very end of the Battle of the Bastards, he stabbed the king. That was the, you know, essentially what he did in battle. Um, yeah, but I the Greyjoy was... Rebellion is where he really had a fight. Wasn't it true though in the books that Jamie was this excellent swordsman and he was like one of the best? No, I mean he is definitely. That's even in the TV show. He's definitely an excellent swordsman. But is in the but TV I... show yet? Um, I believe so. I think we talk about that. But I think the main thing is is it's like so he's an excellent swordsman, but and how. It's like Ned says, I don't want to show you all my things because when I fight you for real, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, I think that Ned has experience swinging a sword and doing it constantly and repeatedly to kill people. He doesn't fight unless he's in a fight to win it. Where Jamie's probably like, I'm going to take fencing lessons with Dad and have a, a rum and coke. I don't know. I think... You know how I feel about Jamie, but... I know, you can do no wrong. Um, I just think it's very sad, and I, I can see it in Jamie's eyes because I think that's really what he craves in life is, like, living on that thrill of the moment. Anyone can win, and it's the best man to I do think, it. I think Jamie doesn't live on that, like, thrill lifestyle. I think Jamie's, like, if you, bring, if you start it, I'll finish it. Yeah, but of. did you not see his... I mean, he fucking killed the guy that put the spear in Ned's legs because he wanted to fight him one-on-one. -on -one. He did not want to have help from some peon. And that just proves that Jamie has a little bit of honor. He has like a little, like, even if you can't see it, there's this little spark. Okay, and now take your hands Jamie. out of your pants. We know you like Jamie. We got it. So we kind of talked about, you know, the, the instance of power and who controls it and these people playing behind the scenes. But one of these that I think is such a critical turning point we see how everything which we kind of thought was all random is now being set forward and that's this conversation with Illyrio and uh Viserys or sorry uh Varys well we don't really know that it's Illyrio yet I mean we can tell because there's a moment where he walks straight into the light you see his face same style and everything and he's even wearing the same clothes that we've seen him in every scene before so I think it is pretty apparent um but the conversation they have is so crazy. Um, I just want to read through it here really quick because it, it's insane. So, and now I'm going to be uh, Varys and you're going to be Illyrio. Okay? I don't want to be Illyrio. Well, I'll be Illyrio. You can be Varys then. <clears throat> He's found one bastard dead already. He has the book. The rest will come. And when he knows the truth, what will he do? The gods alone know. The fools tried to kill his son. What's worse, they botched it. The wolf and the lion will be at each other's throats. We will be at war soon, my friend. What good is war now? We're not ready. If one hand can die, why not the second? This hand is not the other. We need more time. Call Drogo will not make his move until his son is born. You know how these savages are. Delay, you say. Move fast, I reply. This is no longer a game for two players. It never was. And see. Yeah. So this is so much like 
everything you thought that was just like random circumstance. Oh, look, it's Danny. It's her brother. Up, oh, she's getting married off to Carl Drago. Up, oh, we have this other stuff going on. Up, oh, someone killed the Hand of the King. You're like, this is all come some crazy stuff. Everyone is pulling these strings in the background. This is all premeditated. And it's been probably going on since the Mad King was killed. And the only one who does not realize is, is Ned. Ned. <laughs> yeah, literally. Arya's like, yeah, I know. I heard about it. Speaking of which, how, how different would it be if Arya would have remembered verbatim that conversation? I mean, it's really not that hard. It's like five sentences. How old is Arya, though? The same age as, as Sweet Robin. <laughs> We should just be glad she's not second on her mom's tit. Maybe she needed a couple more years so she can remember a whole fucking conversation. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, and then we have the the part right after that where she, you know, she tells Ned what kind of what's going on. We get a very broad glimpse of it, and then, you know, we have Ned who's finally stood up to Robert. He's resigned. He's technically a traitor because he's not wanting to go and kill um, Daenerys. And he's like, we got to get out of here. We got to pack up all your shit. We go get out of here. And Peter Baelish is like, oh, I have a little bit of a secret. Do you want to hear it, Natty? Want to just do one more thing before you go, Natty? It's like, oh, God, Ned. How Come stupid on. can you be? Yeah. And, um, of course, this is what leads him to, like, ultimately get a spear through your leg, like, just jump on, jump on in that whorehouse and talk to that whore. Like, you already knew he had a bastard. Yeah, she was trying to show you her tits. Like, don't leave. It's safe in here. Yeah. Boobs no will never knows. harm you. Yeah, I. it's just so much is, Ned, what were you thinking? Listen to your daughter when someone literally says, let's kill the other hand. Well, let's get out of here. I already pissed off Robert. Like, let's go home. Let's hang out with Bran. Let's see if his legs work. Like, jeez. <laughs> Um, you know, we also find a lot of stuff out in here too that we didn't know about. So we, you know, everybody now knows that Daenerys is pregnant, but we also, we are learning for the first time that Jorah's a spy. So all of his weird actions totally make sense now. Like, oh, you're pregnant? Oh, I better go to the city and tell everybody. Yeah. And it seems blatantly obvious now. Yeah. It's, I mean... We knew something was going on, but yeah. I thought maybe he had a urinary tract infection. He's but. like, I gotta get to a public restroom. <laughs> I cannot pee around these horses. Um, yeah, it, it, just nuts. Um, then, you know, I guess one other thing I gotta discuss, just because how ridiculous, but I also kind of love it because I am gay. But Renly Baratheon and Loras uh, Tyrell. Like, what? Did you even see this coming at first? Part of the top, the pun, yeah. Um, I did not think that this was going to happen. Now I we see it at the the tournament, you know, like a little oh a winky wink. But I'm like, oh my, oh my, oh my. Yeah, and uh, Loris is kind of a little little twink in the relationship. He's like so skinny and like oh shave your chest and um, it's. But what's notable about that is like. Renly Baratheon is the younger brother of the king, and he's probably the most powerful in that situation for sure. But look who's trying to pull the strings and drop the seeds, and oh, you know, you'd be way more powerful, and you know, um, I think that's notable. We also get a little bit of history here, too, because before this, we've never heard of Stannis. 
So um, we find out that there is another brother. In not as likable. Um, definitely not. But we hear all these really valid reasons on why, you know, what is the reason that Robert is such a poor king and what could Renly do better? And a lot of these are really valid points. And to go back to what I said earlier, you know, Robert has his moments where he's very wise. Sober. Um, <laughs> literally when he's sober. But, um, you know, I think Renly has a lot of good points and he's been running the council for quite a while when his brother's like, I don't want to do anything. Screw you. So um, I think there could be something here. And then we have to remember the Tyrells are very wealthy and they are almost on the same level as the Lannisters. And then, you know, going back to, you know, how King Robert has those moments of wisdom. I think the thing that sticks out for me the most, because it is kind of talking about the namesake of the series, Game of Thrones. He says specifically, you know, what is more powerful, one or five? And Cersei goes, well, five. And he goes, one united army or five squabbling, you know, smaller armies. And that's what we have here. And we are seeing it, even though people are pulling the strings and this has been going on for generations and we have all these weird connections and everything like this, it's still separation. We have the separation of the north. We have the separation of the houses. We have people that are in the capital that are plotting against each other. We have people in the same family that are plotting against each other. And it leaves them weak and open. And we're seeing that, uh, you know, Danny, well, she's just starting out. She has an army and she's getting people motivated by it. And people have already chose her over her brother. So. And that's the one thing that you can really rely on Robert to know is strategies as far as war. That's what he's good for. The politics leave to the small council, but you can trust that Robert knows what he says when it comes to fighting. Totally. And while I have to say, like, of course, you shouldn't go and kill. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is the best wine. Um, You shouldn't go and kill a 14-year-old girl. Like, he has a point. Like, if they want to secure the realm, the best thing to do would be to kill Daenerys. And And, Viserys. Yeah. And then bye-bye. No more Targaryens. They're literally two people away from a complete genocide. Why stop there? Why stop there? That's what I always say. (laughs) Great. No, but I I mean, in this situation, you know, if this is what your life has been about and you've done this entire thing to wipe out Targaryens because you hate them because they killed the love of your life, why stop there? So, um, very, very interesting. Um, Anel, do you have anything else on this one? Yeah. Um, Before we get off the topic of Robert, I think this is the only other thing I had to, I felt that I needed to mention, is I know in previous episodes we had talked about um, whether or not it was possible that Cersei had a brown-haired boy that was going to pop up later in the episode. Yep. Um, and they do refer back to it here when they're talking. So it wasn't a complete we, lie. Before yep. we lost our son, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But um, I think it just proves that maybe if it's, not a construct in the book it is here for the show so yeah definitely she wasn't completely lying she was not lying good at using her grief to cover up some stuff oh yeah she was manipulating yeah but she wasn't lying totally the best lies are the ones that have a little grain of truth in them i can't wait to see what comes next i love it okay well that is it for the non-spoiler section as always if you guys want to leave us any feedback we have our email linked down in the description it's at to be perfectly honest podcast at gmail.com 
or you can rate and review us on iTunes as that helps other people find out our amazing podcast. Um, next week we will be going over episode six and it is going to be its own individual one as well. Um, and it looks like from here on out, we might be having some long ones. So, um, we're going to try to keep them about 40 minutes with spoilers. So, um, make sure you are subscribed and you get the next one as soon as it comes out, which will be next Sunday. As always, I'm Corey. I'm Anel. And be perfectly honest. Okay, so you've made it to the spoiler section. You've been warned. Okay, now, so this one had quite a bit in it. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's start just kind of at the beginning. So we're talking about Sir Hugh here. And, you know, now that we know everything that has gone on, we know that Littlefinger conspired with Liza to kill uh, John Aaron. And we know actually that Liza herself is the one that poisoned um, John Aaron. So... What is with the Sir Hugh, like, red herring? Because, what, did he have another part to play? How did he mysteriously get so rich? Is that just um, Littlefinger, like, throwing some breadcrumbs for Ned to follow to be busy and not suspect his own sister-in-law? What do you think of now? Well, it's, it's a smokescreen. It's easy to jump to that conclusion. You have to have an alibi, and you have to have a fall guy. And that was Sir Hugh's part to play. Okay, so another scene that I think is um, important for me, at least, is the Renly and Loris blowjob scene. Um, and this is another one of those kind of sex position scenes that I talked about last episode, um, where people are doing the dirty, but... Game of Thrones uses this as an opportunity to like give a lot of exposition. So we find out that even people under uh, that are in the same family as Robert think that Robert is doing a shitty job, that all he wants to do is kill, and that there could be a better choice even in the Baratheon family to do this. And we also find out that the, um, the Tyrells are a very rich family, that they have considerably even, you know, close to the same amount of money as the Lannisters, which half the realm is in debt to the Lannisters. So, um, there's a potential here for this to be a, a major thing. Um, and it's just so crazy that this never really got anywhere. I mean, do you remember when Melisandre burst that demon and it goes and kills Renly? Like, how just gutted you were? Or maybe it was just me. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a bummer. I would have liked to see Renly as king. Yeah, I think he deserved at least a little moment in the spotlight, so... You know, he, um, got a, he got a little bit of a, he got about 10 minutes of fame. Yeah, on like a coast. He was like, oh yes, Baran of Tarth, let me introduce you and then die. But it also shows how manipulative all the Tyrells are from Olena to Marjorie to Loras. I mean, mm -hmm. like from the beginning, all of them are out to play the game. And yep. as far as, as far as I can tell, I really think that they play the game the best. I'm pretty shocked that well they didn't they get play it good enough well you know sometimes luck plays a part in that but had marjorie not got blown to smithereens <laughs> seriously you know she i think she would have been like the the ultimate yep um so we have catelyn and we have Tyrion on the road to go and see their sister and 
I just don't. She's legit crazy. Do you think Tyrion knew anything about the errands before this little trip? What do you mean that she's literally crazy? Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he says something in there like, when's the last time you've uh, seen your sister? And she's like, oh, about three years ago. And he's like, she's always been a little touched, but she's fucking crazy now. Like, should have fucking listened. I almost feel at this part like Catelyn should be worried for her own safety. I just think that anybody who literally is going to whip out their boob and breastfeed their 10-year-old kid in public, people are going to know, oh yeah, there's something going on here. Um, and she literally looks like she's on drugs. Like, her pupils are even dilated. Like, I'm crazy! I think that ponytail, or however she had her hair, that halfback, too tight. Yeah. Blood circulation cut off. <laughs> for sure. Um, and yeah, and then just knowing that this is not somebody who is, like, grieving and is that emotional. It's, like, someone who killed their husband. Emotion like, she's legitimately crazy. And it's a little disturbing re on rewatch. Do you think they have psychologists in the realm? <laughs> yeah, they're uh, those those sisters that uh, take out your organs and uh, bury you. Yeah, they'll take you and shame you. Yeah, totally. You know, another scene that I think um, is just crazy on rewatch is this Illyrio and Barris scene. Um, and it, it's just so interesting. So did you really not know that that was Illyrio the first time you watched it? 100% had no idea. I knew it was that guy, but I just was like, eh, who's that guy again? Honestly, I barely remember that first episode where we see him a lot. Um, but yeah, it's clearly him. It's the same facial hair, same. You see his face clearly in the light. It's almost like they don't want you to know that it is Varys. But it's clearly his voice, and it's very distinctual. And then right after that, it's the scene where he's there. And so it's, it's even more so plain on the fact of, oh, like, we know it was you. Um... But yeah, how crazy is it that just this beginning, like, Varys has his hands in literally everything. Yeah. Um, and I think it would have been more meaningful had I had known really what Illyrio meant as far as, like, his power play in the situation. I still wouldn't have recognized him, but, <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, there's a lot to absorb. But I do like going back in and being able to make these connections. Yeah, I think that scene, I'm honestly like so odd that there's a dragon skull that I was like, oh my God, the first time. Um, and I didn't think it was so important. But um, yeah, you. I mean, you literally realize that these connections, and this is my other question, I guess. Who do you think overall now, now that we know everything that's going on and now that Littlefinger's actually dead and Varys is still alive, who do you think had more connections? Oh, Varys, 100%. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like, I think he, he his connections literally go all over the world, let alone his Westeros. His little birds. Yeah, everywhere. Um, so, we have uh, Yorin here, and he goes and says, you know, hey, Catelyn has done this. You need to watch the fuck out and get out of here. And Ned goes and is like, well, let's have a small council meeting. Let, I'm going to talk to this person. Oh, you know what? I'm going to be like, no, don't do that. Like, is he literally the stupidest? Like, Yeah. You know, Starks, they don't last too long outside of the like, hmm, Okay, so let's see. What could make me at a more disadvantaged situation? So my, my wife just took the king's brother-in-law hostage. 
without letting anybody know. We don't even know where they are. And um, let's see. I know. I should probably piss him off and make him think I'm a traitor. And then, yeah, let's see what happens. It's like Ned. Think for a goddamn second where he goes and he's like, get my daughters ready. That should have been what happened right away when that, that happened. listen to Arya. You know, speaking of how stupid, uh, you know, Ned is, the only bigger idiot is Catelyn. I cannot believe that she's like, yeah, you know what my instinct is? I'm going to grab Tyrion and just escalate all of this. We could be in a completely different place. Ned could have lived for three years if this hadn't escalated like this, I feel like. Um, but you know what I was just thinking about, and that's why I'm bringing it up in this episode, is, you know, how alike is Rob and Catelyn? Um, Her son, Rob. Oh, Rob? Yeah. I don't know. Do you feel like they're alike? I feel they like make Catelyn these like... rush impulse decisions, and they bite them in the ass. I mean, if Rob wouldn't have made the rush impulse decision to get married to someone, break his vow, break his honor, and do that, there would be no red wedding. I think like, that's a little different, though, because Rob was not intentionally, like, putting himself in a scenario to be um, careless. It just so happened he ran into this chick and fell in love. Yeah, and made an impulse decision and went with it because of the people he loves. Same thing with Callan. She makes a rush impulse decision because... She finds somebody that's a member of the family of the person who she knows, her, her son, and so she impulsively takes them captive and does that. Like, bad decision-making. She went looking for trouble. Rob ran into trouble. The difference. It's very true. But at the same time, it's like, you got to freaking think. Like, if you don't have a head on your shoulders, you're not going to last. I don't know. They say that God protects the children and the stupid. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> Callan's gone. Rob's gone. Ooh. Robert's Bye. gone. Ned's gone. <laughs> Bye. Do you think Have Bran nice suffers from the same stark curse of being an idiot? No, I think he's like the opposite. He like thinks too much I'm about stuff. I'm not of stuff. this family. Yeah. Robert. Uh, Robert. Robot. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else got the stupid gene except for him and um, Arya. Arya just is like freaking constantly like looking out for number one and that's what you need to do in this day and age like yeah well I don't know I, I would mention something about Sansa but we all know it goes south <laughs> how could real I quick. forget about Sansa yeah it when you mix a Tully and Ned <laughs> when you mix a you Tully a and a Stock <laughs> yeah ugh barf um, you know, another interesting note this is one of the very few episodes that we actually don't see Daenerys and we don't see Jon at all did you know that? Mm-hmm. So, kind of a... I think there's, like, three other ones. So, kind of a rare event, um, but definitely necessary because we get to see all these characters outside of these main characters. Who are your favorite characters at this point? At this point? I don't, you know, I don't really have any favorite characters at this point, to be really honest. I have characters that I like to watch, but they're not my favorite characters because they're fucking evil. <laughs> like, I love Cersei in this. I love Robert because he's just, like, a freaking mess. Um, I really like 
uh, like Varys in this because he's so manipulative and, um, you know, Littlefinger, he's so manipulative. They're not my favorite characters though, like for damn sure. I just like watching them at this point. This episode is a lot of like the people that you don't really like, you just got to learn about them. I think at this point in my life, in season seven, right before we get the final chapter, all of the Lannisters are my favorites. Cersei, Jamie, and Tyrion. I will, you know what? I will actually take that back. Tyrion and Jamie, I like a lot in this. But now, looking back in retrospect, do you not see that Jamie was not horrible from the very beginning? Like, mm, with the I context like him. of him now, do you see? Well, he had to start from the bottom and now he's here. You know what I mean? Think like, straight. Right, basically. It's Start like... from the bottom, now we're here. Jamie. Um, <laughs> he was a piece of shit. I mean, the first episode we see he's a piece of shit. Um, we, the fact we know about him is that he fucks his sister, that he pushes little kids on windows. Like, he's a piece of shit. And then from there, we just... He literally, I think, goes this, through this transformative journey, and that's why we like him so much in season seven, is because he's gone through the ring of everything. And we actually do see a, a really wide character arc. And that's why I think we really like him. Um, you know, Danny is a little bit more linear. We don't really have a nice swoop. Like, she is basically, you know, just an unempowered woman, and she's just going, 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 going. We don't really ever see her, like, have a dip or anything like that. I see her as steady incline. That's what I mean by linear. Oh, I thought you meant linear, line. like... No change whatsoever. No, yeah, but definitely a steady progression up, but we don't have this, like, interesting arc. And th I think that's why I like John a lot, too, is because he's so kind of dull and drab to begin with. And then, like, there's a part, like, I think it's, like, the third season in where you're like, oh, okay, no, I like him. Well, I think that's it for this episode. If you guys want to catch us next week, always on Sunday, we will have the next episode. So that's season one, episode six, The Golden Crown. And we all know what happens with The Golden Crown. I'm so excited. And it, it's gone by kind of fast. So um, can't wait to see what else we've kind of missed and forgot in that episode. As always, if you have any other information that you'd like to let us know, any feedback for this coming episode or any feedback from our um, earlier episodes, you are more than welcome to shoot us an email at tobeperfectlyhonestpodcast at gmail.com. That is below in the description. And as always, also please rate and review us on iTunes. We appreciate it very much. And as always, I'm Corey. I'm Anel. And be perfectly honest. We'll see you guys next week.